welcome to Flipping the Field, the college football podcast about all of college football. I'm your host, Patrick Mayhorn. I'm joined, as always, by co-host Ryan Donnelly. Uh, Ryan, as we begin the show here, I have actually big news. There's been uh, sources have indicated this to me. This is something that we knew was uh, kind of in the works for a while, and I can now confirm officially our haters, of which there are many, will be our waiters at the table of success. It's official. They will be our waiters at the table of success. This is a big win for us, obviously. Um, what is your what's your reaction to this information? How are you feeling right now, knowing that our haters will eventually someday be our waiters at the table of success? Yeah, well, I think first of all, that's something I have to say is so true and so profound, actually. Uh huh. Um, you know, that's kind of something that my personal friend Warren Buffett had told me would happen one day. Yeah. Um, uh, he is helping me get an internship with BlackRock. Uh-huh. Um, so he was kind of giving me some advice on that. He was helping you do a couple things, if I remember correctly. Mm-hmm. And uh, Oh, a lot of stuff. A lot of yeah. stuff. He was really preparing you for the world, I think. He uh, kind of kind of a fatherly figure for you. Um, it was, uh, what was, what's the fucking tweet? The, the tweet about the, the not real Drake song. Was it daddy city? Is that the phrase? <laughs> you see, do you know what I'm talking about? I do not know what you're talking about. <laughs> Let me see if I can find it. It's a really good tweet. Um, <laughs> it sounds, sounds great. Yeah. What was it? Yeah, here we go. Um, this is uh this is a this is a favorite of mine. This was cropping back up recently for pretty obvious reasons. Uh guy says, Had a dream about a Drake song where he groomed this girl, but right when she turned eighteen she left him and it contained the heartbroken line, quote, but it was supposed to be Daddy City. I sat there for like ten minutes after waking trying to remember if that was a real Drake song or not. Ryan, it was for you with Warren Buffett. It was Daddy City and it, it continues to be Daddy City if he's still alive. I don't really I don't really keep uh keep tabs on him. Oh yeah. Um, well, I have heard you're a big Daddy City fan. Uh-huh. Is that not true? Well, I, Party City, but it's kind of a similar. It's kind of a similar idea. I, I think that they're they're sort of related. Um, what are we doing here? What the hell's going on? What, is, is this the is this the show, or do we have something else that we're doing today? No, we're talking about the previews. We're we're paragliding into the previews. Uh-huh. Um, uh, we're excited about this one. Um, yeah, uh, look, it's the preview week. Uh, we are hosted at meetatmidfield.com. It's our website. Uh, if you want to sign up, this is like the last weekend we are doing that trial. Mm-hmm. Uh, you probably heard about it in the podcast previously, but it's your first episode. Uh, we are doing a $6 uh, trial uh, for our college football website. Uh, you get 49 days of access to flipping the field. Sorry, to meet at midfield, but also premium episodes of flipping the field. And uh, my Ohio State podcast, Kevin Parrish, High Street Freaks. Uh, we are a national college football website that covers the entire sport, uh, the whole sport, nothing but the sport. Yep. Um, and uh, yeah, you want to pay six bucks. The link will be in the description. Sign up and join and come party with us. Uh, the forums are fantastic. Uh, the community is fantastic. It's really kind of the main selling point. Uh, I think it's the best message board in college football. There's a lot of premium articles, um, premium podcasts. Uh, come boogie. That's our website. Yeah, and if you want to come in and say, oh, well, you guys don't cover the NFL, so it's kind of false advertising. One, there is an NFL thread on the message board. I've never gone in there, but there is one. I assume that it's 
active. Uh, two, shut the I fuck up. I just either go in to post the, the Steelers are back or the Steelers are over. Those are the two things I post. Yeah. Uh, so uh, so for any comments like that, uh, fuck you. We don't shut up. No yeah, cares. Fuck <laughs> go go get a job. Do go any, outside. Does anyone actually believe that the NFL is a better product than college football? It's crazy. I think there are some dumb guys probably who do. Um, it seems like most of the people who think that just don't watch college football, which is a sad existence to imagine. Somebody who watches the NFL but doesn't watch college football um and like uh i don't know fantasy football guys maybe but those aren't people yeah. and so we don't really need to those consider people. Their, their their considerations um, uh, i think the argument you can make is that the college football regular season is drastically better yeah um and that the nfl playoffs are probably a little bit better but that's changed maybe the, the, yeah. the college football is here the 12 team playoffs gonna have some great games yeah hopefully. uh patrick i know you staunchly support the expansion of the playoff um you love uh the conference changes all that stuff that's mm. huge for you. So, yeah. Um, well, I'm excited. Yeah. And I will also say the $6 trial to, to go check out the website is so much easier than the trial that you usually have to go through to join the website. Um, we're really kind of leaving the door open <laughs> for just anybody to come in, whereas usually there are many trials and they are not $6. They cost much more than that and not not monetarily, just sort of. It's a spiritual cost, usually. Um, and we're waiving that right now. You don't have to pay the spiritual toll to get in at, at meetatmidfield.com. You can just pay $6. That's so much better than, than what all of the others who are already there had to go through the, the turmoil that they, uh, that they really kind of underwent. And we do appreciate them for doing that. Um, it made them better as people, as posters, of course. Um, and uh, some, of the, some of the newbies, the, the $6 trial guys, we're probably going to have to... Uh, we're gonna have to figure out a way to to instill that. Yeah, we're in them, jumping which, them in. Yeah, we're telling them uh, if you see anyone flashing their headlights at you, uh, it means you're getting jumped into uh, meetupmidfield.com. Yeah, uh, we send our goon squad in every city to come beat the shit out of you before you can join the boards. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> yeah, it's cool. It's if cool. If you see any guys with tire irons in your city, there are subscribers. Yeah, you are being gang stalked by Meet at Midfield subscribers. That is one of the services that we, uh, I would say, offer, but it's not really a choice. It's more of just something that happens. Um, and we, you know, we just have to keep the culture of the website good. And there's only really one way to do that, as we have all learned time and time again. Um, in, uh, in the example of college football, before we talk about these games, we have a, a, I think a pretty good week seven slate, um, some weak spots in this week's seven, seven slate, specifically, uh, Saturday at noon, but I think a pretty good slate before we do that home field apparel, it's a, it's a place you can go there. You, I don't think physically, I don't know if they have a physical store, but they do have a website and that's much easier than going to a physical store. You don't have to drive to Indianapolis or anything to do all this. You just go to homefieldapparel.com. And if you use the code meet at midfield, you can get 50, 15% off your first purchase of a shirt, of hats, of sweatshirts, pants. Uh, they got some bomber jackets. They've got all sorts of cool stuff over there. And the great thing is they have it for pretty much every single team that you could want them to have it for. Um, the, it's a, it's a really good, it's a really good website that they have over there. It's, it's, I would say even one of the best websites that they've got right now out there. Um, they have high quality collegiate vintage apparel. They put very cool, very good logos on very comfortable, very soft shirts. Um, you can wear them. And we've said this before for any occasion, wedding, funeral, combination, wedding, funeral, um, any, you know, other ones that aren't that those are the, yeah. big, those are the big two. Uh, or the big three, rather. I'm at the combination. Yeah, two funerals and a baby. Yeah, I'm, I'm at the combination wedding funeral. Um, 
but uh, you you can do that if you want. You can uh, you can go buy some shirts, buy some sweatshirts, and if you have not done that before at homefieldapparel.com, you can use the code Meet at Midfield for fifteen percent off your first purchase. Ryan, do you know who hasn't done this? I would I would assume just because he doesn't have very good taste, it would be Dana Holgerson. And uh, we're in, we're as we jump into this week here, Thursday, October twelfth, in the no fly list. We've got two games, and the first one is the Dana Bowl. It's West Virginia at Houston, seven p.m. on FS1. Um, I don't think Dana Holgerson probably has very very many good shirts. If I would just assume from from looking at him, I think he probably has a lot of shirts that have like spaghetti stains on them, or maybe just certainly spaghetti some on kind them. of stains. Yeah, yeah, some, we, some, uh, some stains of various various kinds. We cannot ascertain what he's in that shirt, but there are definitely some sort of um, nondescript stains on it. Yeah, uh, yeah. These two teams are playing a football game. That's true. Um, <laughs> Facts. <laughs> they they both suck. Uh-huh. Uh, they both suck big time, right? I mean, West Virginia, I realize is four and one. Yeah. Um, I don't know. This game to me is pretty, pretty cut and dry. I think Houston's pretty terrible, and West Virginia is not good, but they are competent. And they is they, that fair? And they seem to have a knack for beating teams that are terrible. They've done it several times already this season, and I think that there's a pretty good chance they do it several more times and end up with a, a pretty good record that is not. Super reflective of quality, but you can only play the teams that are put in front of you. And the Big 12 has put an assortment of truly dog shit teams in front of West Virginia, and that is uh, good for them. Good for West Virginia. I, I guess the I, I think the big interesting thing here is just seeing the you know kind of gawking at the West Virginia thing. If they if they win again and move to I think five and one on the season, that would be a a um, a thing to keep an eye on. A developing story, perhaps some some might say. And uh, I would I would maybe tune in for that if you're not doing anything else on Thursday. I don't think either of these games on Thursday are especially good. The other one is SMU at East Carolina, 7.30 p.m. on ESPN+, Plus, or just regular ESPN, rather. That is not um, as good as it sometimes has been. East Carolina is really, really, really struggling this season, and, and SMU, yeah. honestly... SMU for you know it, it wins games and goes to bowl games and and fashions itself this season as an AAC contender. Just not a fun team to watch. Just really, really not entertaining in the things that they do. Right, Lashley's offense is really boring. Um, they're just not very yeah. fun to watch. Preston Stone's also not really as advertised. Yeah, uh, the ball um, just kind of lingers. Pretty... He he really he puts a lot of air under the ball on every single throw. And it's... this is a great team full of guys that had a lot of hype as recruits and have not really done anything. Yeah. I mean, you have Preston Stone as quarterback. The backfield has Jalen Knighton and uh, and Kamar Wheaton. Yeah, uh, back there. I mean, there's just not a lot. There's not a lot cooking, I guess, basically, for what these guys do. I've not been very impressed by them. I think uh, I think they suck. I, I do think SMU sucks. I think the idea of them as a conference title contender is fairly silly. Yeah. Uh, I do like their defense. I think yeah. they have a pretty solid defense. Is that fair to say? It's better than it has been, I guess, which is not a super high bar, but that is improvement. Um, I guess the thing with the AAC, and we're going to talk about this in just a second as we get to the the Friday slate, because there's a big game in the AAC. Um, Somebody has to win it. Somebody has to emerge from the AAC, and it can't only be Tulane. Somebody else is going to have to go to the conference championship game. And I think SMU, 
is somebody else <laughs> in the conference who could win the the required number of games to do that. Are they a conference championship caliber team? No, I don't think that there's a second one of those in this conference unless UTSA figures it out, which it maybe is doing. Um, Frank Harris being healthy would be a pretty big deal for that. Um, but somebody else is going to have to be there. And South I don't, Florida? I know, no. I know it sounds crazy, but South Florida has looked okay. They've looked okay. They just got fucking curb stonked by UAB. No. That's I not, know they did. I know they did. But they've, they also beat Rice and Navy Great. Uh, by a couple of scores each. I mean, like, they were competitive with Western Kentucky. Like, they, they obviously were competitive with Bama. Yeah. Like, I don't know. I think you've seen something from U.S. Like, I, I'm not saying they're a good football team, but like you said, there's one of those in this league. Someone yeah. else is going to be the second one. Yeah, I, I think that chances are it's probably one of SMU, Memphis, or UTSA, I guess, because uh, those are Just the... Just on talent? Yeah, yeah, but on talent and also that like those are pretty clearly the four teams that in this conference could even kind of be good this year. I don't think that any of the other ones have even the potential to be good, other than like... I don't know, maybe FAU if it figures some things out on offense with a backup quarterback. Um, Rice is limited... Navy's not very good this year. Temple's bad. Uh, USF just got curb stomped by UAB. UAB is coached by Trent Dilfer. Like, there's really a lot of limitations in this conference outside of the top four, essentially. And somebody's going to have to do it. Do you? Who do you trust more of Rhett Lashley and or you know Ryan Silverfield? I don't. I wouldn't trust either one of them with like a fucking. I wouldn't give them, you know, a, a pizza cutter to cut some pizza. I would not trust them with anything. I, I, I don't think that these guys are trustworthy, but somebody's going to have to do it. Yeah, it's true. It is technically true. Um, I will not be watching this game to find out. I am going to be on a plane Yeah. Um, to unknown locations. Mm. Um, however, you guys can watch and let me know what's going on. <laughs> <laughs> there, there isn't an AAC game that I care about. Which is on a Friday night. Yeah. Uh, you would have to the Friday night games. That yeah. would be in the Guantanamo Bay section here. Tulane at Memphis, 7 p.m. on ESPN. Um, this is good. This is, uh, this is a, a, a big game in the conference. I could say that. This is a big game in the conference. This one's very important for both of these teams. They're both currently 1-0 in AAC play. They both fashion themselves as serious contenders, if not the two favorites in the league. Um I don't believe that for a second with Memphis watching them play they are not good they just they just aren't they have the same problems that they have for the entire Silverfield era which is to say that they just they don't play well they're not well coached they don't really have anything going on they have guys who are good I think Blake Watson is good I think Seth Hennigan theoretically could be good at some point if somebody else was coaching him, um, but they're limited. They're limited in what they do because of their coaching, because they are not very good at what they want to accomplish, and also what they want to accomplish is uh, stupid and doesn't work very well, and it's just not really super impressive. I think Tulane probably wins this game if Michael Pratt is at uh, you know capacity, if he is working and playing as well as he can play. He's had some issues coming back from injury where he just hasn't looked all that good. He hasn't really looked like himself. But Tulane, if healthy or close to healthy, I think is pretty clearly better here. And I would guess that it it shows that. Yeah, yeah, I would tend to agree with you on all that. Um, I, I do think that basically, I, I mean, if you follow SP Plus, it should be a tight game, right? With home field advantage, it should be yeah, virtually it, a pick em. Yeah, it has it um, at exactly 50%. It has them with the same exact scores in this game, which would be right. a sight to behold. Um, it's, uh, uh, that's rare. I do think I do think both 
uh, the, the, the Vegas line is quite a bit more accurate here. It has Tulane as a four and a half point favorite. Uh, I believe that Parker Fleming uh, of stats at stats over on Twitter of CFB graphs has Tulane as a 15 point favorite hmm. um, has this kind of one of like the picks of the week. Yeah. Uh, I am somewhere in the middle of the Vegas line and Parker Fleming's line. Uh, I tend to think Tulane wins by like 10 points and wins pretty comfortably. Uh, Memphis will get some yards, but I, I just don't know that. I don't really trust Memphis to execute and actually kind of, you know, finish drives. Yeah. I just don't, I'm not very impressed by them overall. Uh, I don't think they have any coherence here. I don't think Starfield's a good coach. I don't think they do much that I'm scared of. I also am worried about Tulane kind of putting enough points up uh, that if this kind of gets a couple of weird turnovers, Memphis could do enough to win, but I, I doubt that happens. I, I see it as a pretty comfortable win for Tulane. Yeah, something very strange here, and this I don't really want to linger too long on this. It's just something that is interesting to me. I think generally, and correctly so, if you are not you know, watching these teams play every week, you just have a general idea of what the programs are. You would probably think with these offenses, oh, they run the ball really well, right? They have fun, you know, well-designed rushing attacks. Memphis hasn't for several years, but uh, that would be the expectation. That is the identity that these programs generally mm-hmm. have on offense. Uh, respective success rates in this game for Tulane and Memphis's rushing attacks are 121st and 97th nationally. These guys can't run the ball. Neither one of these teams can run the ball so far. I don't know if either of them gets it figured out here. I think that Tulane probably has a better chance because Memphis's run defense is worse than Tulane's. Tulane's is good. Um, but this is not necessarily going to be like a Memphis-Tulane game of 2017 or of that roughly, you know, roughly that era. They have guys who can run the ball. Blake Watson, like I said, for Memphis is good. He's a good running back. It's just that they have not really run the ball all that well this year. No, no, they have not. And I think it's just like the staleness of the Silverfield offense, right? The guy has had a new thought for three or four years at this point. Yeah. Uh, it's just, he's doing the same thing every year. Opponents know what he's doing. Uh, he's not updating, you know, run design based on defensive schemes. He's just kind of trotting out the same horseshit every week. And it's yeah. just, it's it's become very stale to watch. I don't think they're going to be bad enough to fire him, but I really hope they do. They have actually somehow managed to lose wrinkles in their offense. They they have they have like <laughs> over time from they're him, losing recipes. They're dude. losing recipes. Him who he was hired as the fucking offensive line coach under uh, Mike Norvell. He was supposed to be the guy who would keep the offense going. He was the continuity hire. Um, the rushing attack is significantly less like elegant than it was several years ago. They really only have a couple things that they do and they're not very good at any of them. It's it's I don't really know where the creativity in this offense has gone other than just, you know, Florida State. It's just it's there now instead of being here and Silverfield was not the the engine behind it. I think that's pretty clear that he wasn't the engine behind it. Um but there's not that same creativity that they used to have offensively in the rushing attack. It's pretty much just the same three or four players and they're not very good at executing them. Um, this program should never be as boring as it currently is. It just shouldn't. There's no reason for it to be. The talent is such they should be much better than they are. I agreed. Agreed on all counts. Um, Our other games in this slate, we have the most wanted category of Fresno State at Utah State. This is your domain. I will simply let you cook here and uh, clear the paint. Go ahead. Um, This is uh, 8 p.m. on Friday night on uh, CBSSN. Uh, I'm really, really looking forward to this one because, well, there are there are a couple main reasons. 
I think the easiest one, the most approachable one, where I won't have to go into a ton of background. Uh, Fresno State's not going to have two very good players in this game. I don't think it's going to have Mikey Keene. I think it's going to be Logan Fife at quarterback. Um, and they're they're down Cam Lockridge, the number one cornerback on the team for the season. He's done. Um, that is, that's not good for them. Those are two really important players. And you saw them missing those guys last week against Wyoming. The offense was, it's just not the same when, when Keen isn't out there. Logan Fife is a capable playmaker. He's a decent runner. He extends plays fairly well. His arm is not good and he doesn't really fit within what they want to do offensively because he does not have the juice really to pull the trigger on on quick throws. And and that part of their offense is really important to what they want to do. They need those as an extension of the rushing attack. They don't run the ball a ton. They don't have the same strength in in running the ball that they've had these last couple years because they don't have Jordan Mims back there anymore. Um, The the replacement is, is... fine. He's okay. Um, but the, the rushing attack is not anything special. And if the passing attack is not crisp, if it's not executing consistently within structure, it kind of falls apart, which is what you saw against Wyoming and Wyoming really teed off on them. And I think really picked on a young quarterback. Um, the reason that that is interesting to me is, is beyond just that it makes Fresno state worse is that Utah state just did this. Utah state just picked on a young quarterback. They, they really kind of, made it a, a pretty bad night for Braden Fowler Nicolosi, which nobody else had done to this point in the season. Um, he was, his timing was completely fucked up. They, they pressured him all night. When he wasn't pressured, his throws were high. He was uncomfortable. He didn't look like he knew what he was doing. He, he looked like a guy who was playing his fourth or fifth game as a starter and had been kind of punched in the mouth by the defense. Um, the coverage was really good against receivers who I think are about as as solid as Fresno State's are. I think that Utah State has a pretty a pretty decent shot at springing an upset here against a hurt team, against a, a dinged up Fresno State team, especially if it can avoid doing what it has done in every game this season, which is going down 17 nothing in the first quarter for no reason. Just don't do that, and I think you're probably fine because in the last 3 quarters they've been excellent. They have been every bit as good as they should be. I think the talent of this team is is really good. I think it's better than it was last year. It's just a matter of game state of not falling too far behind against a good team. I think Utah State, if it can do that, has a pretty good shot here. Yep, I agree in all counts. Um, the final game here in the no-fly list Friday night is Stanford at Colorado. Yeah. Um, I think this is a quick one. Um, <laughs> yeah. Colorado's going to mop them up, right? There's no... Mm. Like, Colorado is certainly a perfect team, but I don't think Stanford does uh, anything well, and they, they certainly do not defend the pass well. They are 129th success rate against the pass. Mm, um, that's not very good. Look, Colorado just is going to have Shadura throw it all over the yard. Yeah. It's going to be a 400-yard game for him. Um, he's going to shit-talk whatever visiting band members are there from Stanford with the Rolex. <laughs> uh, look, if you're up late at Friday, you're coming home from the bars, whatever, you're at the bar, uh, take a watch. If you're not, don't worry about it. Yeah. <laughs> that's yep. the... That's this game. Don't yeah. go out of your way. Stanford sucks. Yeah, don't go out of your yeah. way for this one, I don't think. Um, yeah, Stanford is not very good. I do have some concerns about the fact that like Colorado did not did not convincingly beat Arizona State, and I don't think that Stanford is that much worse than Arizona State is. Um, but, I don't know, they're at home. They're probably probably going to win, probably going to win comfortably, but... Yeah, keep an eye on it. I, I don't, I don't, again, I don't think you need to like have this on the main screen or anything, but if it's on and you're around, you can, you can keep an eye on it, watch the score, see if anything weird happens. Saturday, 
Noon slate, it's bad. The noon slate is not good. The rest of the day is really, really, really strong. The noon slate is rough, um, as as evidenced by the fact that there's not only not a Guantanamo Bay game, there's only one most wanted game here, and it's Georgia Southern at James Madison on ESPN2. Um uh, it's just, it's not a good slate, man. It's just not a good slate. Um, I think this is the best of the bunch. This is an interesting Sunbelt matchup. Georgia Southern got them last year. I, I think that that offense can cause some problems for James Madison because James Madison's defense is very, very heavily built on generating pressure, and it's hard to do that against the air raid. Um, I think Georgia Southern is kind of uh, coasting right now. I don't really, I don't really see a ton there that I'm super impressed with, but I do think that they have a system that that will keep them in this game against that kind of defense. I think James Madison wins, but it's the time of year where you see weird games like this happen, where you see a team that maybe isn't quite as good as the hosting team go in and get a win because the hosting team just wasn't fully either wasn't fully up for it or didn't really have a matchup that it liked. I, I think that this could be pretty good, and it's going to be important in the Sun Belt. Yeah, I mean, well, important very much for Georgia Southern. Obviously, James Madison yeah. uh, can't play for the title, um, but definitely important for Georgia Southern. I mean, they've, they've exceeded expectations so far this year, and I'm definitely curious to watch this one. Um, I think it is by far the the best day of the news, the best game of the news slate. Yeah. Uh, as you noted down, it is a pretty it is a pretty rough news slate. I mean, we basically have that game and then the no fly list here. I'll just run through them quickly. Um, it, it's like four national title contenders uh plus alabama uh, just having sacrificial lambs uh then also iowa state Cincinnati. you have ohio state playing purdue uh indiana playing michigan syracuse playing florida state and vanderbilt playing georgia Uh um those games should all be over relatively quickly i mean i think certainly that michigan uh and georgia have the easiest day of the bunch uh vanderbilt and indiana are very bad this season yeah uh ohio state's on the road at purdue might be a bad weather game it looks like from the forecast but um the thing is, the way you people slow down Ohio State all season is just shortening the game and keeping the possession, and uh, you know having Ohio State run fewer plays, yada yada. And Ohio State's own like poor play calling has led to some too many three and outs for them. But essentially, Purdue cannot run the football, uh, so I don't think Purdue's going to be able to do that. Yeah, uh, it's not going to. I think it's going to be a long day for Purdue. It's kind of hard um, to put those linebackers in conflict, which is what you need to do to move the ball against these guys. If you can't run, it's that's a pretty crucial part of putting linebackers in conflict is running the ball, and they just don't do it. No, they don't do it well at all. Uh, they don't do it. Period. Yeah, they especially don't do it well. I think they're averaging under four yards a carry as a team right now. Um, huh. uh, Arkansas, Alabama. I don't know if Arkansas will score. Danny is going to get cooked. <laughs> yeah. uh, I mean, they'll score, but like his just criminal misuse of their talent's been horrible to watch. Yeah. Um, and I'll, Indiana I'll, really not, might not score. Yeah. I don't really need to defend Danny Nose, and I don't think I'm going to, but I will defend KJ Jefferson. The offensive line that they're putting in front of him is a disaster. And I think that that's horrible. That's yeah. the game here. That's the whole, that's the whole thing is that that offensive line cannot possibly hold up against Alabama's front it's just not going to happen it's it, this is a not going to go game the plus side is we might get one more year of each of these guys in college football because of that like I could see Rocket Sanders coming back too he's been banged up and has not had the kind of year you want to have to go pro yeah um, are they going to do it here or are they going to do it somewhere else well that's a great question like could we do it with could they fire Denny Enos after one year or could they transfer will Sam Pittman be there I don't know um a lot of questions about that but I, I hope we get another year in college football out of these guys God, those, somewhere. They're going to someone could use them right. They're going to go to T, they're going to go to TCU, aren't they? They're going to go play at TCU next year. That would make a lot of sense. Um, I don't know if I like uh, that. 
I don't really know how I feel about that. I don't know if I like that either. Um, what about Tennessee quarterback KJ Jefferson? How does that make you feel? Probably doesn't make the the five star freshman feel all that good. I'm no, in, they're not going to do that because they have it. Nico. I, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Per- the worst case I'm scenario is worst case scenario is they both go to Florida. Oh um, my god, I was just, I was just thinking Florida. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, Maybe just pop on yeah, over we'll to LSU. Just the old the old in division yeah. transfer jump to LSU. Um, they like that backup they have. Uh, they shouldn't. I forget. It's Walker. Walker. Not, I know. Oh, it, it's Nussmeier, um, isn't it? Isn't it Garrett Nussmeier who's the backup there? They kept one of they one of those freaks that beat. Uh, it doesn't matter. I don't care. We're not talking about LSU right now. Yeah. Um, Indiana is going to get pulverized by Michigan. Michigan yeah. has just been dominating bad teams all season. Indiana is one of those teams. The offensive coordinator switch, I think, probably doesn't help. I don't think there's any difference between employing Walt Bell and Rod Carey. Yeah. Um, no difference to me at all. I, I do think um, it's, it is really funny to hire a full-time, like, not interim offensive coordinator in week seven and say, or week six and say, uh, well, you know, he's, it, was, it was continuity. We were, we were always, you know, thinking we could do this. It's like, why didn't you do it in January then? Why did you wait Insane. <laughs> yeah. until now to do that? doesn't really make a lot of sense. His offense is not, like, the same as Walt Bell's. He kind of does some different things, comes from a, a completely different tree. Um, just doesn't, doesn't really it – doesn't, it does not in, in, inspire a ton of um, – confidence in tom allen i don't think i would say i i, I think it probably makes you worry Did you, was there any he was inspiring before um no not recently um it, it it makes you wonder if maybe tom allen does not uh have a plan at this point if tom allen is just kind of flying by the seat of his pants and hoping for the best because i don't know that yeah. a coach with a plan would do that that's not what i would do if i had a plan if i was a coach who had a plan i probably would not hire a full-time offensive coordinator in week uh, six. That's not usually the time to do that. No, you don't want to be doing that at all. Uh, I guess what I would say, uh, I don't know. I mean, Indiana cannot stop the run, right? Like no. Michigan might not have to throw the ball. That, they can run the triple and win this game by 30 points. Yeah, and they might do that. That that defense has really taken some has taken some beatings recently and I, I think has, has dropped in estimation – because it, not really for for reasons that are its fault, they've had some injuries, and also they're just not getting any help from the offense. Um, you're you're seeing it weigh on them. You're you're seeing the attrition take hold. You're seeing that defense really just get worse every time they go out onto the field. Yeah, yeah, I feel bad for them, I guess. But either way, Michigan's going to win by forty points. Um, Georgia Vanderbilt. I don't think we actually put in this list, but just to round it out, because the top three team, top four teams are all playing sacrificial lambs. Yeah. Um, Van, Vanderbilt's worse than any other team we talked about. They're much worse than Purdue or Indiana. Uh, this I will not watch a second of this game. It's going to be a massacre. Yeah. No, 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 no thoughts. Uh, Florida State and Syracuse. I will say Syracuse is obviously very banged up and has played yeah. poorly now a couple weeks in a row. Um, if Florida State plays with it against Boston College, like this is a game they could theoretically lose. I think they probably won't do it, right? They tend to be able to turn it on and kind of just – get out of danger yeah but florida state should not fuck around too much this game um get back to looking good just how about you play well again would you can we do that can you guys play well again yeah they do um, seem to have sort of an affinity for just not not trying super hard until they have to um that which is yeah, maybe the argument is just that they won they won like the, the two big games on their schedule for now so easily that they're just like in a coast for a little while but i don't think that's a good idea i think you should be trying to play good football 
Um, yeah, <laughs> something to consider. I mean, Duke, there is Duke and you know Miami coming up here in the next few weeks. Like they should not, not fuck around against those teams. But yeah, I mean, look, Florida State should win this game pretty comfortably. Uh, the betting line on this one is Florida State by 17 and a half, and that feels accurate. Yeah, uh, I just don't think Syracuse is healthy enough to do anything here. Um, so we'll see. Yep. We'll watch that one out. And then the other one is uh, we have Iowa State at Cincinnati, which is a battle of two truly shitty and boring teams. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> yeah. They are right next to each other in SD+. Plus. Uh, it's a difference of 0. 0.2 points, okay. according to that. Um, so I, I don't know. I mean, like it's Cincinnati's at home. Um <laughs> I don't want to think about these teams, dude. I don't want to think about them. I mean, Cincinnati's favored. That they should probably win. Iowa State's bad. Cincinnati's not good, but they have at least moved the football. They can't actually finish drives. They turn the ball over constantly, but they they have moved the football, which is more than you can say for Iowa State. Yeah, that's more than I would even I would think want to say about Iowa State. I don't want to say that about Iowa State. I'm good. Um, afternoon. Yeah, the it's out- really funny. For, oh, really quick before the afternoon games. Yeah, Cincinnati is averaging 490 yards of offense a game, and mm. it's two and three with three straight losses. Jesus Christ, that's the Satterfield special, man. He loves it. He loves to do that. That's uh, that's nasty. That's really nasty work that they've got going on there. Afternoon, the Abu Ghraib game of the week. Um, I think one of the games of the of the season, honestly, in terms of pure matchups, it would be Oregon at Washington, 3.30 p.m. on ABC. Uh, this is a big one. This is a really, really big one. This is a really good one. I, I love this matchup. I am, I really, it's hard to get a, a beat on this. I think you can, you can talk yourself into either team winning pretty easily. I think that there are some individual position group matchups that are really, really fascinating. Oregon secondary against the Washington passing attack. Oregon's, uh, you know, pass rush against the Washington passing attack, Oregon's rushing attack against Washington State's not very good run defense. There's a ton here. It's a, it's a, it's a truly huge game. I'm really, really looking forward to this one. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is by far the best game of the day. It's probably the best game of the season so far, right? Yeah. I mean, this or Texas at Bama, um, I think, but it's probably this one to me. Yeah. Uh, the winner very much should go undefeated the rest of the season, right? They should be favored in every game they play. They have a tough schedules, but the, the winner of this one should be in very pretty position for a playoff spot. Um, yeah, it's like you said, it's fascinating to watch. I mean, they're, they're first and second offensive success rate, uh, <laughs> which is fascinating. Mm-hmm. Uh, Washington being for, uh, second, Oregon being first. Which is weird. Um, it's kind of surprising that that's the case. It, Washington's explosives are such that it, you know the sex the success rate is kind of dropped a little bit because they yeah they score so much from from far away that they don't really have the not that they don't have the chance but they don't rack up those efficient plays quite as much as they probably could or should um based on the talent that they have if they wanted to do that they could do it very easily and, and lead the country but um yeah. the the style is such that they are a little bit not a, boom or bust would not be the right word because they so rarely don't don't hit right they're very good at it but um i think that that's probably why that is how it is even though it feels like i think pretty clearly washington's offense is the better of the two here yeah they also don't i mean washington doesn't run the ball quite as well um i mean i think that's fair to say like even dylan johnson's been pretty good i think the combination of bucky Irvington and Noah Noah Whittington and um they have the other guy too i forget his name uh they've been running the ball better for oregon um I think that Washington also kind of slept walk through a couple games lately here where they haven't really kept their eye on the ball as much, which which loses, which kind of ends up with this result. Uh, but I think Washington's offense is fantastic. 
I do think Oregon's defense probably has the edge. Like basically the game to me is Washington is the best passing team in America. And I think by a pretty wide margin is Washington's pass game good enough to make up for the fact that Oregon has the better rushing attack and the better defense. Um, is that fair? I mean, that's kind of the way I view this. Is that fair to you? Yeah, I, I think that's probably, I think that's probably fair. Um, Washington, like you said, Washington can run the football. They're, they're, you know, 25th in success rate for running the football. They're good at it. They just, it's not the, it's not the main appeal because it doesn't really need to be. Um, I think that's probably fair. I, I, I would, I would not disagree with that. I, I, Washington has, we talked about on the premium episode this week, pretty clearly the best offense in the country and, and certainly the best passing attack in the country. Um, but Oregon's is good. <laughs> Oregon is Oregon is good at what it does. Bo Nix manages that offense extremely well. Um, they have built it around him really well. I think that the, the talent around him is obviously very good as well. They have good receivers. They have good running backs. Who you mentioned the line is excellent. Um, it, it's it's a it's kind of a heavyweight fight on on offense, I think. And, and Washington's is better, but I think Oregon can absolutely keep up. It will be you know, a question of how much better is Washington's offense? Is it good enough to overcome that Oregon has the better defense? And I, I think it could. I think it certainly could. I, I don't really know. I only have a pick. <laughs> if I'm like, like at this point, maybe I will by the time we're done talking about the game. Um, but I, I think that that's probably what it's going to come down to. Yeah. I mean, man, I do think in a game like this, like just the fact that Oregon's a little more consistent drive to drive, the fact that Washington hits on explosives more often, um, does mean something to me. Like, is Oregon more likely to play their style of football and just went out driving the drive by you know keeping Washington out of rhythm? Um, it's interesting. I don't know, but I think again, also Washington's quick strike ability is is so dangerous. They have some more weapons across the field. Um, man, I have gone back and forth on it so many times. I want to pick Washington. I like watching Washington play more. Uh, I'm rooting for Kalen DeBoer as a coach in general. Uh, I love Michael Penix. I, I think I don't quite have an affinity for Oregon. I don't like enjoy them as much. They are a very good football team. Um, this is such a difficult one to pick, and I don't really know that I, like you said, I don't really have, <laughs> I don't really have a pick right now. I don't really know who I'm taking. Uh, although I will say, like the winner of this game is like it, to me is such a clear favorite in the Pac-12 going forward. Yeah, um, if not for the national title outright, like the, <laughs> that, that would be that's the level that we're talking about here. The winner is very quickly a favorite to win the championship. I, I would I would say. I don't think the polls will do this, like just based on the way you know voters operate and don't watch Pac-12 football. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, the winner of this game should be the number one team in the country. Yeah. What do you think the percentage of guys who vote on the AP poll is who will be watching these teams play for the first time this season with this game? I think it's pretty high. I think it's Ooh, I think it's troublingly yeah. high. Yeah, I mean, maybe some of them caught the, the Texas Tech game. Because if I recall correctly, that was like a weird time. Yeah. Right? It was it wasn't like on a Sunday or something. Um who knows? Or what am I thinking of? No, was it a Saturday? It was Labor or it was I don't know. No, it wasn't a Sunday. I forget the way the game played out. Uh yeah, I tend to think it'll be the first time a lot of them watch these games. These teams play. Maybe they watch the Colorado game uh, for Oregon, yeah. um, which will also probably overrate Oregon in their estimation. But a lot of the picks here are on Washington, uh, pretty much every model, I think, except ESPN's FBI has has Washington as the pick. Mm. Um, maybe what did Parker Fleming have? I, I forgot to check. I think he had uh, Oregon by like a kind of troubling margin, um, if if memory serves. Um, 
which I, I have a hard time seeing this being a blowout in either direction. I, I really don't know that you can. Yeah. I don't know that you, you got to work it by a touchdown. Yeah, I don't know that you could stop either of these offenses long enough for it to not be competitive into the fourth quarter, competitive down to the final drives. I think they're both going to score. I think they're probably both going to score a lot. Um, even with Oregon's defense being what it is, like it, it kind of feels like, yeah, you know, I, I the, or, Oregon's defense is better, but I do have the concern here for them of, and so what? Because you're still not going to stop them, right? You're still not going to stop, even if your defense is good, you're still not going to stop Washington's offense. And so how much does that strength really mean? How much does that really, they're just going to, they're just going to score on you. They're going to run right past you. I don't care how good your cornerbacks are. They're not better than these receivers and they're not better than Michael Penix. He's still going to beat you. And if it's not, if that's not the case, if Oregon gets the job done there, then it's going to win comfortably. But I really have a hard time seeing that because I have a hard time seeing anybody do that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's fair. That's hundred percent fair. I don't know, dude. I just can't wait for this game. I cannot wait for this game to get here. That's kind of my overall takeaway is I am so excited to see this one and see these two teams play. Um, it is, I mean, just by far the game of the week uh, in a way that we don't really get very often. Like, I guess like Texas, Texas, uh, Oklahoma last week was the game of the week, but not such a strong way. Like this is just such a massive matchup. Yeah. I do, and and we have we have pushed back against the idea, and still I I would still push back against it because I don't think that it's yet fair given how good 2019 LSU was. We've pushed back against that comparison for Washington. I do kind of feel like the the easiest comparison in my mind for this game stylistically, um, from ones that I have seen is 2019 LSU Alabama, which LSU won was a really good game. LSU's offense was just too good, and I think this Oregon defense is probably a little bit better maybe than that Alabama defense was. I don't remember how good that defense was, Um, but in talking about the way that these quarterbacks play, I think that that is a a fair enough comparison, and I think it could go kind of a similar way where Oregon does a lot of good things. Oregon keeps itself in the game, but Washington's offense is just too fucking good to keep up with, And, and even a good defense is not able to is not able to change the math of Washington's going to score basically every time it touches the ball. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's the thing is that Oregon's defense, while it has been impressive, like it's just modern football, right? Like, there's not that many shutdown defenses. This is not a Georgia defense with the best athletes in the field yeah. that has like dozens of NFL players on the roster. Uh, this is this is a little bit different. It's a very good college defense, I think, and a very efficient one. Uh, but it does not have the kind of overwhelming athletic ability and overwhelming talent that lends itself to defense winning a football game in today's era. Um, I think it will, like, I think the winner probably has to get to 42, right? Like yeah. that's the lowest score where you feel comfortable winning. Is that, is that fair to say? No, I think that's fair. I mean, that, that has been pretty much the standard for these teams this season. Um, I, I really, I think it's going to be really good. I, I think it's going to be really good. I think I have maybe talked myself as we've gone through this. Like I thought, like I thought I would into Washington. I think Washington might win the game. Um, on the strength of having the best quarterback and some of the best receivers in the country. Um, It's hard to match that. It's really hard to match that, even with a good defense. Uh, But I think it's going to be really, really entertaining. I think it's going to be, obviously, a fantastic environment. This is... I don't remember who it was that pointed this out, but it's like... what one The the first time two Pac-12 teams that are 5-0 or better have played since, like, I don't know, a decade ago that was not even it it's just that this is probably the Um, best matchup of Oregon and Washington like ever right like this is probably the the best ever that these two teams have been when they have met um 
which is really cool. It doesn't, it's, that's, you know, they, I don't know that the stakes have ever been quite this, quite this high for a regular season matchup between these two. Um, that's really fun. I, I think that it's going to be a really, really cool environment. Um, I think it's going to be an awesome football game. This is obviously for good reason, the one that everybody should be watching. And I don't think I need to tell people that I would assume that this is the game that people will be watching in this slate. Yep. Yeah. hundred percent. I think so too. Um, man, God damn, it's going to be so good. But there's also, I mean, like the games behind it are not bad either. There's yeah. other like interesting games, the vacations behind this. Um, we have two games, the Guantanamo Bay slot, uh, that being Texas A&M at Tennessee at three 30 on CBS and Iowa, Wisconsin at four o'clock on Fox. Mm-hmm. Um, the A&M Tennessee game is a little bit less compelling. The Iowa Wisconsin game to me, it's probably more watchable of actual football, but it's like less compelling in terms of narrative and results. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, I think that's fair. It feels like rel- a relatively must win game for both programs. Is that fair? Yeah. Because like, to me, I look at this and like if A&M loses, they would now be at four and three on the season uh, and would still have to play uh, Ole Miss and LSU to go forward. Uh, if Tennessee loses, they're going to be four and two with games left against Alabama on the road at Alabama and Kentucky the next two weeks uh, at Missouri and against Georgia. Yeah. So like this is a huge game for either one of these teams to, I don't think either one had title expectations, uh, but to be like a ranked program that scares some of the top teams in the conference is kind of what they were both looking for this year. Yeah. And if you want to be that team, you should win this game. Yeah, I think you have to. Um, I have a stat here and stat, this, this sort of thing does not, you know, pre- it's not predictive. It's more just interesting. Um, <laughs> not only this is this is from uh, Carter, Carter Carroll's Carter Carell's of 247. A guy we all know. Yeah, yep. we all know him. Uh, not only has Texas A&M lost seven straight road games, uh, no Jimbo Fisher coached team has defeated a ranked opponent on the road since 2016. That is not... That's fucking nuts. That is not encouraging, I don't think, for this game. And I don't think that Tennessee is like an especially good ranked team, but they are a ranked team. Um, it is a big matchup. And Texas A&M is not usually the one to win big matchups. That's not been the story for for them no, especially not that on one bama game yeah. yeah yeah and so i i would be I, i'm concerned about that just as like a, a fundamental problem that jimbo fisher has as a person um matchup wise i don't love it i don't love the texas a&m secondary against a team that can pass the ball i don't think that's a good matchup for them is playing a team that can pass the ball and tennessee can't yeah, pass that's the true ball. but also but also, do you trust Joe Milton against the defensive line that can speed up your clock? Because I no. don't trust that either. No, but what are you going to do? Boat race them? Are you going to put so many points on the board that they can't catch up after turning the ball over two times? I don't think they're going to do that. I don't think Texas A&M has it. No, no, no. I don't mean speed up the clock because in terms of like the game clock and make you press. I mean like his drops in the pocket. Like Texas A&M's defensive line eats so fast and wins yeah, individual no. matchups so fast that I don't know if Joe Milton can like his problem already and, and Tennessee's a pretty good O line. Yeah. His problem already is that he cannot process his reads fast enough to get the ball out uh, in an offense that requires that. And I think if you have a Texas A&M defensive line that's getting after you, it's going to be even harder. Yeah, but what if your guys are wide open, which has been the case against Texas A&M secondary? Um, I, yeah. I, it's not like they're going to make the reads terribly hard for you if they can't cover your receivers. And my 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 point was not that the game clock would be you know sped up and that they could try to come back it's that even if he makes some mistakes i don't know that texas a&m can really make him pay for it because i don't think this offense is very good i, I get that but i also do have like I, I don't know how good tennessee's 
defense is, right? They've been a pretty good run defensive unit, which is kind of, you know, all A&M does. I'm not sure that Tennessee can cover Evan Stewart, um, yeah. which is interesting to watch. Uh, I think that also A&M's run defense is absolutely excellent. It might be, I don't know, a top two or three run defense in America. Yeah. Obviously, the secondary is bad, but like, I don't think Tennessee will be able to run the football and set up the pass that they like to in this Josh Heupel offense. I think it's going to be all on Joe Milton. And that's a game. That's, that's a scenario I feel very uncomfortable with. I'm a Tennessee fan. Yeah. Like they are going to put the game on Joe Milton. They're going to make you pass it. And AM secondary is bad. I get that, but they should live or die with that. Like you should be comfortable <laughs> making Joe Milton beat you like take away the run, put him behind schedule, force him to make mid range or downfield throws and see if he can actually do it because to date he has not been able to. Yeah, we did say earlier in the season the the nature of him and the nature of the way that they play is such that he might still, even though he's not good, he might snap on somebody at some point. He might be on one day and just, just yeah. look awesome, and everybody's just going to use that for their fucking Joe Milton first-round clips in, in you know February, because that's what they Thank God, that has gone away entirely. Thank it's God. It's going to come right back. It, it happened with uh, Richardson last year, too. It's, it's Everybody watched him play, and they're like, oh, this guy sucks, and then February came around, and they're like, oh, he's good. Um, <laughs> just, just It'll happen again. Joe Milton, the priors are already set. Uh, it doesn't matter what he does. He's locked in. Um, and this, this feels like the sort of game where that could happen, where he, he, he has a breakout. He gets lucky. Basically he's in rhythm. Um, the cornerbacks make it easy on him and he plays well in Tennessee rolls. Um, I think that's a possibility. I, I, I think that that is more possible here for Tennessee than, than in a lot of other matchups that they have this season, just in, you know, for, personnel reasons for what Texas A&M struggles yeah. with for what it's good at. I think that could happen here. I don't know that I would predict that because I don't ever want to predict Joe Milton having a good game. It's not a good idea. Just not something <laughs> to do. Um, but I think it's something to keep an eye on. I basically, my belief is that Miami and Alabama are comfortably better than Tennessee. I know Miami's just a horrible loss for the tech and that's, yeah. you know, that is a data point, but I, I think that Miami's a significantly better team uh, and much more well-rounded than Tennessee is. I think that Alabama is a much better team than Tennessee and I know that AM already has two big losses. I know Jimbo Fisher is a dog shit coach. Yeah, I know their secondary is bad, yada, yada. I just think AM has a game plan that can force Joe Milton to, to play this game in a way that he is not comfortable with. And I just do not trust this. But your point is 100% bad. Like, I could come back and look stupid and just realize the AM secondary is like as bad as LSU's or something. Uh, and he just throws for 400 yards. That's a 100% a possibility. Yeah. Uh, I guess I am just trusting the fact that I think AM's defensive line can win this game for them. Okay. Uh, and they won't need much else. That's kind of my takeaway in this. But this is a game I'm curious to see. It's, like, it's a kind of a good a good battle between who's the second tier and who's the third tier of the SEC. Yeah. Right? Uh, although I guess you can argue that Bama and Georgia are two distinct tiers at the top. But whatever. Who, who gives a fuck? Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, it's a separation game. Yeah. Um, and then we also have a massive game in the Big Ten West between Iowa and Wisconsin. Uh, these teams are both currently one-loss teams, uh, Wisconsin having lost on the road at Wazoo and Iowa having lost 31-0 to Penn State uh, in the Happy Valley. Um, I don't think this game is that complicated. I don't think Iowa can score. Yeah, yeah, Deacon Hill, the quarterback, is not good. Um like at all. It's not he's just really that, It's not just yeah. that he's Iowa not good. He's not good. He's He doesn't he doesn't throw the ball 
well. He, he's not good. He's not good. I don't know how else to say it. He stinks. It's not just that the offense is bad. The guy is not good at playing quarterback. And I think that that's probably going to be a limiting factor when Iowa plays any opponent that has a pulse. And I think Wisconsin, for its issues in play calling and in and, and the way that it wants to do things with Phil Longo calling the offense, um, I think Wisconsin does still have a pulse and can take advantage of the fact that Iowa can't fucking score. It can't score. They don't have a quarterback. They can't. They don't run the ball that well, and they haven't for several years. Um, and they can't throw at all. There's nothing to be worried about with this offense. You can just sit on them. It's not going to be. A, I, I, I. It's hard for me to talk about this game beyond that because that feels like such a a, a dead on arrival thing that Iowa can't score the football. They don't do it. Yeah, a hundred percent. I mean, that's it's and like, I don't think the Wisconsin pass defense is awesome or anything like that. Uh, but the run defense is very good. Yeah. And, and I mean, I, I just don't. If you're telling me I'm going to have to trust fucking Iowa to pass football to beat Wisconsin, the game's not going to work. Yeah. Uh, and also for as excellent as Iowa's defense always is, and it's it's still very good this year, they are not that great of a run defense, right? Like they are they're an above average run defense. Um, if Phil Longo is smart, which he is not, but if he is smart <laughs> on Saturday, uh, <laughs> I mean, he should just mash the run until iowa can stop it like i, I just like I, it's run and play action pass all day yeah um i think that iowa's defensive front they get noah shannon back this week which is significant um but without him they have been pretty mediocre uh and, on and the defensive front and i just think there is an opportunity to exploit it there wisconsin line is, is as good as it always is um just run the fucking football like yeah. just let braylon allen win this game for you because it's going to be a field position game and a defensive game yeah and I like the way you can lose this game is Tanner Mordecai fucking up and throwing interceptions, which yeah. he is capable of doing. He loves Iowa, to do certainly. that. He loves yeah. to do that. He's always doing that shit. Just, just trust the fact that Iowa cannot score. And if you win the field position battle consistently, Brandon Allen will get you points. You might, it might be an ugly win, right? You might end up winning yeah. like 21 to 13 or something like that. That's fine. But you can win the game. If you just mash the run all day. Yeah. If you don't do anything stupid, right? If you don't have Tanner Mordecai throwing the ball 40 times, if you don't have him throw two or three interceptions, you can probably win this game with 13 points. It's not going to take that much. <laughs> it just doesn't. It doesn't take that much to, to outscore Iowa. They're not going to score. Um, don't, yeah. don't, don't give them points and you'll be fine. It's, it's really, it's pretty simple. Just don't give them points. Don't, and, and if don't you do win that. this game. If you win this game, you will win the West, and it puts you in a basically a two-game play-in for the playoff, which I don't think they're going to win either of those two games. Like, right, you have to beat Ohio State and then beat whoever the Big Ten East winner is. Uh, I don't think they're capable of winning either of those games. I know you disagree on Ohio State. We don't have to get into it right now. They're going to come up on Halloween weekend. Mm -hmm. uh, but, like, if you win this game ugly, win it pretty, whatever, just win the fucking game. Like whatever you have to do to win this game, if you have to win it 10 to three, that's okay. Just do that. Like just, it does not matter how many points you score. Cause I think you can hold Iowa scoreless. Yep. Yep. I think that, that is probably the, uh, the way to, the way to talk about this one. Uh, most wanted here. We have one game and then the no fly list. We have a couple most wanted is Florida at South Carolina, three thirty PM on the sec network. I have no. I just want to say I do not support this choice. I don't know why you put this here. Yeah, I also don't really know. Um, <laughs> I don't have any reason for this. I don't. You, I don't. Who cares? I mean, who fucking cares? I, not my problem. Which team do you dislike more? <laughs> um. Oh man. 
I don't really know. Probably South Carolina, I guess. I, do, I dislike Florida fans more, but I think South Carolina, the pro... I don't... I, I really don't care that much about Billy Napier, right? Like, we talk about him struggling. I liked Billy Napier at Louisiana. I don't really have an yeah, issue yeah. with him. I think his media strategy was kind of dumb. I don't really know why you need to bring in, <laughs> you know, uh, Sports Illustrated to talk about your fucking, uh, how your business cards have the team colors on them and how that's revolutionary. Oh, yeah. Like, that's, that's, I don't really know why they did that. But I don't really have a personal disdain for Billy Napier. I don't like Shane Beamer as a guy. I don't like him as a guy. I think he's, I think he's a little worm man. Um, so probably South Carolina. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there are more individual guys on South Carolina's and South Carolina's program that I dislike. Yeah. Uh, however, like just the idea of Florida somehow being five and two after this game is not acceptable to me. It's not allowed to happen. They're going to be ranked again. They're just going to keep getting ranked on accident. They're never going to be good. Exactly. And they're going to keep what... slipping in there at 23. Look, we, you and I both, this is not just me. This is you as well. Mm-hmm. We put a lot of stock into Florida being dog shit this year. Yeah. And if they win this game, they can make a bowl game. And that is not acceptable to me. South Carolina <laughs> must win this game for my benefit. Uh, yeah. I, I'll be rooting hard for South Carolina. I can't fucking stand Florida fans. I like Ryan Nanny. The yeah. rest of them can get fucking dumped. Yeah. Um, I don't know how Ryan escaped. <laughs> I don't know what he did to avoid it, but he he's the only good one. Yeah, he's yeah. <laughs> uh, he's one of the only he's the only good one, really. I don't know. Um uh, my buddy's sister is a Florida fan because her husband was in the band. So I guess we'll give we'll yeah. give my buddy's sister a pass too. Yeah. Um the re- so she- <laughs> whoever the re- the reporter was who who Urban Meyer called a fucking loser or whatever it was. Jeremy that- uh What's his name? Jeremy, Jeremy something. Jeremy Fowler. That guy's cool. We like him. Um, it's not Jeremy Fowler. <laughs> is it not Jeremy Fowler? <laughs> it's, it's, no, I think it's Jeremy Bianchi or something. No, I think it's Jeremy. Um, I think it's Jeremy Fowler. I think you're roasting me, and I'm right. Let me let me look uh, at this. I, I'll pull it up. Uh, yeah, yeah. It was Jeremy Fowler. It was. <laughs> was it really? Yeah, 2007. It was Jeremy Fowler. Yes. I'm still not believing this. Unbelievable. Um, <laughs> There's, I'm looking at the video right now. Urban Meyer ripping into Orlando Cent- uh, Sentinels' Jeremy Fowler from 2010. Yes. All right, fine, whatever. I'm wrong. <laughs> fine. Uh, I don't care. Um, Jeremy Bianchi. Get Fowler's out of here son. with that shit. Yeah. Um, anyway. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know. I think South Carolina probably should win. Um, I mean, I would tell them to. I think they should. I, I don't know that they're – I don't really – who cares? Who cares? I don't think yeah, we who need, cares? Uh, who cares? I, I guess I hope they both lose. Here, here's the one thing. The one thing I'll say. I mean, I'm looking at the uh, the game on paper chart right now. It does not look good for my take. Yeah. Uh, because the thing is, South Carolina cannot defend the pass. Mm. And while Graham Mertz is not good, he has been given very easy throws to hit. Yeah. And does have at least two good players catching the football. Uh, and has completed a very high percentage of his passes. And I think that South Carolina will probably just let him like pass for 85 percent in the day yeah uh if he turns the ball over or south carolina hits more explosives they could win but yeah this is a dog shit game fuck both these teams south carolina do not fuck this up for me yeah um that's my takeaway uh what do we have the no finals patrick that would be tell ca- people that would be cal at utah 3 p.m on the pac-12 network so uh, good luck uh byu at tcu 3:30 on espn troy at army 3:30 on cbssn uh kansas at oklahoma state 3:30 on fs1 and big game in the MAC, Ohio at Northern Illinois, 4 p.m. on ESPNU. 
Um, oh yeah. Anything in here that 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 uh, is interesting to you? Yeah, a few of them. I think. I mean, um, hmm. I know you called it a big game in the back for Ohio. Illinois. I think Ohio is just quite a bit better than Northern Illinois. I do too. Maybe but, I'm wrong, but, but um, yeah. there has to. I mean, somebody is going to win games in the West that isn't Toledo, and right now it seems like NIU might have a chance to do that. Um, they have one guy on the team. They have maybe two guys on the team. I like Ontario Brown, the running back, but the main guy on the team who I like is yeah. Brock Lampy, the fullback. Um, he is worth watching the game yeah, you're a big Brock for alone. Yeah. He's awesome. He's really, really fucking good. <laughs> and it's, I like the way that they use him. He's involved in like every single running play. He's always on the field. Number 49. If you're watching this one, look out for number 49. He's good. Um, but yeah. Ohio, Ohio is better. Uh, Ohio is a better team and probably will win the game pretty comfortably. Yeah, that's fine. Okay, we'll we'll take that one. Uh, Kansas and Oklahoma State, another don't embarrass me game. Kansas, do not embarrass me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I stood up for you. Uh, do not fuck this up for me. Um, Troy at Army, I don't really have any takes. I think Troy should win, right? I don't really believe what Army's doing. Yeah. Uh, I think Troy is better at running the football than Army is. Yeah. Um, it's not something you should be saying so, about Army. It, just, it seems like maybe Army also doesn't really believe in what it's doing, <laughs> which I think is no. a, a problem that we're seeing crop up here for them, is that uh, they don't really know exactly what it is that they want to be doing, and they're not very good at it. Yeah. Which, um, what are you going to do? BYU at TCU, I would like to see BYU lose another game. I, I don't like this charade of them being a one-loss team. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I don't really root for TCU either. I don't know, but I hate that game. Uh, Cal at Utah is the most compelling one on the no-fly list. Jesus. And other than the, like the three big games, the afternoon slot probably the best of the yeah of the five, the six, the, whatever. Let's do the weekly. Um, uh, I'm doing the weekly Cam Rising Google search. Is Cam Rising playing? It's hard to know. Um, it says here from the Salt Lake Tribune: Is Cam Rising playing versus Cal? Utes no, but aren't saying. Great, cool, thanks, good story. Awesome, that's useful. Yeah. Fuck off! I hate that shit. I, that, that is one thing the NFL does much better: is to standardize injury report. Yeah. Um. We need to have that. Uh, yeah, okay. Um, I don't know. I mean, Cal showed some life on offense. I will say that, like, if Utah – I think Utah can probably shut their offense down pretty effectively. They already did it to UCLA. It's a much better offense. Um, but if a couple plays go weirdly here, if Utah's offense is even more disastrous than it has been, uh, they could find a way to lose this game. But I think they probably just keep it low scoring and find an ugly way to win. Yeah. Um, I'll take Utah there. But I'm, I'm – I probably can't actually watch that game because I'll be at a wedding uh, and because it's on the Pac-12 network. Like, I will find a way to watch uh, Washington, Oregon. You believe that. But um, no shot on <laughs> on Cal, Utah. Yeah, go, um, go on and find the radio broadcast for Cal, Utah. I think that's probably your best bet of watch of uh, of engaging with this game yeah. if you want to do that. I'm going to have an earpiece in during the wedding. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> For a couple reasons. Yeah. Sorry, to, sorry to Sasha and Catherine. Congrats to your nuptials. Love you. Um, <laughs> uh, the evening slate, Patrick. The evening slate's fucking packed. Let's get it. Oh, yeah. We got four games in the Guantanamo Bay section here. Um, that would be Wyoming at Air Force, 7 p.m. on CBSSN. Uh, Miami, Florida at North Carolina, 7.30 on ABC. Some some heat maybe came off that one last week, but still good. Uh, USC at Notre Dame, 7.30 on NBC. And closing it out in the Pac-12, UCLA at Oregon State, 8 p.m. on Fox. Where do you want to go first? Yeah, um, I guess I'm most intrigued by USC at Notre Dame. Okay. Uh, just be, for pure hater reasons. Uh-huh. Uh, I really want to see USC lose. Um, I don't know if Notre Dame has the goods. I, I think that Marcus uh, Freeman, Marcus uh, Freeman is just playing four big night games in a row. I think that guy is just like such a loser in his soul, but also obviously so is Lincoln Riley. Yeah. Um, USC has been begging to lose a game. 
Notre Dame needs a big bounce back win, right? They can still go 10 and two this year. Um, they can still, you know, make a, make a New Year six game possibly. Yeah. Um, like this is, this is a big opportunity for them. I mean, ugh, I don't know. Like they can probably get what they want all day on USC's defense, right? Everyone can. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, everybody can, everybody has, it pretty much is just a, uh, yeah. an all you can eat buffet against this defense, do whatever you want. Just take it all. We don't want it. Um, and that is, I mean, if you're trying to beat Notre Dame, that's probably not a very good way to do it because you can stop this offense very easily. Um, but USC is not going to USC doesn't stop any offense. And I think that even though I know Notre Dame does not have the goods, Notre Dame's offense is more than capable of taking what it needs to get against this USC defense and probably of just holding on to the ball for like a really long time. USC can't even try to stop the run. They're not they're not competitive against the run. It is not a factor yeah. in this defense. Um, they don't tackle. They don't play gap. They don't do anything. They don't do any of the basic things that you have to do to stop the run. It's not even like, oh, they're just, you know, they're 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 getting close. Like, no, they are fundamentally not able to stop yeah. the run. They don't do it. They're one hundred second success rate against the run. Yeah, you um. can just do that. It, you know, it's and and that's against a lot of like bad rushing attacks. This is a good one. This is a good rushing attack. It's not an amazing rushing attack, but it's good and good at what it does. Um, and I, it's also bruising, which does matter. USC is a soft team. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. Like this is a, this is a, Notre Dame has generally worn teams down. It did it to Duke. It did it to Ohio State. It couldn't really do it against Louisville, which is troubling. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they <laughs> they do have a physical offensive line and a very physical running back who can punish you. And I just don't think USC wants any part of that. No, uh, I, I think you're going to get to the second half, and USC players are they're going to be. They're going to be like ducking their head, trying to avoid tackling Hotrick SMA. Like they do not want to do that. Those guys do not like to win. No, they don't. Um, they don't like to win, and I don't think they're going to. Um, the, the the game state for USC is obviously that it's able to get whatever it wants on offense, which is it's hard. It's hard to do against this defense. This is a pretty good Notre Dame defense. Um, and I especially think especially in the secondary, especially yeah. in the secondary, and I think Notre Dame. I'm not a huge Al Golden guy. I'm I'm not out there. I'm not I'm not one of the Golden Girls, right? But I I think that he is <laughs> smart enough and has been around football long enough that he can, as a lot of defensive coordinators have, turn on the USC tape and within about five minutes recognize, oh well, if I just you know send four and then drop everybody else into coverage, they're not going to do anything because they don't they can't they don't do anything. Just don't blitz. Just just cover them well and you'll get home with four and it won't be a problem because Caleb Williams will run white right into your defense event. He's, he does that. White into your defense. He, yeah. He'll, he'll um, turn white into your defense. Um, I'm feeling like he the turns white into Caleb Sam Hartman Williams. if you drop seven. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, and I think that I also do is, like Shavante Jean-Baptiste for that a little bit. Yeah. He's sort of, uh, now that he's free from the shackles of Larry Johnson, he's really benefiting. More um, importantly, free from the shackles of Mick Marotti. The guy actually looks strong now. Yeah, he uh, does. Yeah, he's good. Yeah. Good for him. I'm happy for him. Yeah. Um, and Notre Dame has a very good secondary. I think that, I think that's the answer is like, just sit back, make him dissect coverage. Yeah. Uh, make him actually do it, right? Force him to make reads, see yeah. if he can do it. Um, I don't know. I mean, like, Notre Dame has, not, it's, it's not a perfect secondary, but it is an opportunistic one. I think they're pretty solid. Um, I think they have a couple of good corners, like one of their safeties. I think they can play against these guys. And I think they could like the, the thing that's just like you said is a game state win. If they get behind by like ten points or something, they will panic. We already saw Marcus Freeman do it, right? He was down, uh, he was down eleven with ten minutes left and went for it on fourth and eleven from his own thirty-five. <laughs> like you will watch him panic, yeah, uh, in real time. So 
just don't do that. Like learn your lesson. Stop yeah. fucking panicking. Just run your offense because I think they can score uh, on USC. I think especially if it's in the first half, do not panic. Just do what you do. Let USC break. They do it every week, right? Every single team that fights against USC for four quarters, USC will break. Um, it will happen. So just just run your offense. Just play your game. Don't freak out. Just do your thing. I, I think Notre Dame probably finds a way to win this one. It's probably uncomfortably close. Yeah. Uh, and it may come down to Marcus Freeman coaching correctly, which he has not done yet. Yeah. Um, but we'll see. Yeah, they need to just give him like a fucking – they need a tattoo onto his hand. Just don't freak out. Just be normal. <laughs> just, just, just be normal. They need to give him like a security blanket over there, so he doesn't he doesn't go into a panic. He doesn't he doesn't uh, just start just start wriggling. He wriggles too much. Stop wriggling. Just be normal. Um, all right. What next? Yeah. Uh, the next one we got here. I don't know. Do you want to do Wyoming at Air Force? Absolutely. I want to do Wyoming at Air Force. Um, this is good. This is really good. I think Air Force is probably going to win this game. It's at home. I think Air Force is, is better. I think Air Force is also probably better at what it does than Fresno State is. And Fresno State just lost to Wyoming, but was pretty close. Um, and the, the issue really with Air Force, and this is an issue that a lot of, <laughs> a lot of teams, uh, bump up against when you're trying to play these guys, is that they don't, they're not going to, 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 to fall into the trap in the way that other teams will against Wyoming. It helps that it's not in Laramie, but Air Force does not, is not willing to play that game. Air Force is going to play its game. It's always going to be Air Force's game. Um, and uh, Wyoming's offense has taken some steps forward. I love the way that they use those tight ends. They have a million of them. They're getting better at putting those guys in, in situations where defenders are in conflict and have to, take some pretty bad matchups you don't ever want a cornerback or a safety against those guys and wyoming is getting better at doing that at creating those mismatches instead of not doing that for some reason which has been the thing there for years um yeah their their rushing attack is is kind of boomer bust by design they you know it's it's power heavy yeah. and a lot of the times they just don't successor. yeah they just yeah. don't gain a ton of yards on some of those plays because the line is really big but it's not super athletic um and so i think that wyoming i don't really know that wyoming has the offense to set the tone against a capable team just in general it's not really what they did against fresno state um and i don't think wyoming's defense as good as it is especially against the run it's just really hard to stop these guys. It's really hard to beat Air Force at its game. It's really hard to stop that rushing attack because it's the fucking triple and they're really good at it and they will always make you wrong. And I think Air Force this year, this offensive line, the lines that they have in general are, are just so good that I don't know I don't know that anybody's going to beat them that, that they play this regular season. I've said this a couple times. Um, Wyoming might have the, the heft up front to make it a game, to make it a serious challenge if that defensive line is up, which they all are. They always are. The linebackers are good, too. Um, but I, I think Air Force is just too good at what it does, and I don't know that Wyoming is really going to be able to game state them because Wyoming's game state and Air Forces are the same, and Air Force is a better team. Yep. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, I, I view this as a game where I think Air Force could actually even pull away. 
um i don't know i think i could see air force winning by two scores yeah um, i'm really interested to see which, it though i, I i've you know I, it's likewise we yeah. said a lot of this about the same about wyoming fresno state that we thought fresno was better and wyoming went and won they're good at doing that they're good at finding a way I think that if they yeah. can if they can get Air Force off schedule with that line, if they can maybe force a turnover or two, this is a very different game, especially if Andrew Peasley plays well. That secondary is not really the strength of Air Force's team. Um, but I, I, Air Force is the favorite at home here for a good reason. Air Force is very good. Um, I think Air Force probably gets the job done and, and gets kind of a an early, not early season, a mid-season signature win that they have been uh, kind of lacking to this point. Yeah, I think it's totally fair. Um, I, I would say that the winner of this game enters into a, a group with Liberty and the winner of Tulane at Memphis, uh, as the clear three favorites for, uh, essentially for the, to be the chief representative in the New York six bowl. Yeah. Um, you know, obviously James Madison is ineligible. Uh, those Mac teams, that trio of Mac teams all have one loss are all intriguing to watch and we'll see that season play out, but. No one separate themselves yet from that group, and the, also, uh, uh, the Mac yeah. is not sending a team to the New Year's Six anytime soon. I don't. Uh, think. That's what I. Yeah, I mean that's that's kind of the way I view it too. But you never know; things could play out in your favor. But yeah, I, I tend to think the Air Force wins, and if they do so, like it's it's them, Tulane, Liberty, and then sidetrack for that for that position. Yeah. Um, people should be watching more of Air Force playing football. Yeah. Uh, they are they're always very good. They're very well coached. I'm just curious. I'm excited to watch that one. Uh, the next game here, let's talk about Miami and North Carolina. Okay. Uh, just they're two of the most fraudulent teams in the country, right? Is that, is that fair to say? Uh, damn, like, yeah, I mean, <laughs> I mean probably, yeah. I, I think North Carolina is better than Miami. Okay, uh, Drake May finally playing well is good, but this is a game that's going to be like, unfortunately, this is kind of the NFL watcher game of the week, mm-hmm. uh, for people who are looking to watch Tyler Van Dyke and Drake May, yeah, um, which I, I cannot respect, but. I think Miami also, like, it's such a confidence blow what happened the last weekend. Teams respond to this one way, like, uh, one of two ways. It's either you rally after that and, like, oh, man, we really fucked it up. Like, we are a better team than them. We freaked it. Yeah. Or you look at your coach, realize, oh, this guy's a loser. We don't have the goods. We're playing a good team now. We're just going to collapse. Yeah. And judge off of, judging off of every Miami team since that title loss 2002, uh, I know which way I think they're probably going to respond. Yeah, yeah. You, <laughs> like I think they're probably going to collapse. Yeah, you got some. Um, you got some guys in the locker room texting with Lane Kiffin after practice. You've got some bad situations going on usually at Miami. You've <laughs> just yeah. guys maybe considering their next their next location after this one. I guess the one thing that could throw this off is, I think Miami can run in North Carolina all night. Yeah. Um, which means if Drake May is not hitting or has an off night, and Miami's secondary is pretty solid, right? It's not elite, but it's it's good. Kitchens, Kitchens is one of the best safeties in the country, if not the best. Uh-huh. Um, the other players I'm somewhat skeptical of, but it's a good secondary. Um, if May is not getting what he wants, like I think Miami can very much frustrate and piss off this UNC team, yeah. which is hardly mentally tough in its own right, right? These are also guys that love to quit. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> I guess... I think it comes down to essentially the North Carolina passing attack versus the Miami rushing attack. Yeah. Uh, and I think North Carolina is better at getting what it wants to do than, than Miami is. Yeah. I, th- I think that that's fair. Um, you do also, I, I just, I don't love this as the next game after, like you said, the one that they just had, I don't love this as you going on the road and, and playing against a team that is not, I don't think all that good in North Carolina, but does know what it wants to do. Um, and has the players to largely 
do most of it. I think that the talent there is, is pretty clear. Um, Miami can win this on game state. That's, you know, we say that all the time, but like, it's true. If Miami can run the ball and, and, you know, frustrate Drake may and get them off schedule, it could very easily win this game. Um, but you have to go and do that. And, and beyond just the way that they lost the Georgia tech game, they looked like shit. They looked horrible. They yeah, played really badly. Bad. They were not good. Um, and I, I think that, I don't know that Georgia Tech has set the fucking blueprint for beating these guys because I think that Georgia Tech, you know, I don't know how much of that is repeatable. I think Miami might have just played poorly, but it could do that again. It could just play poorly. It, it, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a weird team. It's a team that. Yeah. Crystal ball teams love to do that. Yeah. They love to do that. I, I think that there's, I, I could see this going a lot of different ways. I would, I would assume North Carolina wins. That would be my, my pick. But I don't feel good about picking North Carolina because I just don't trust the things that they really do. I don't think they have all that much structure to what they do. I don't think they're all that smart in the way that they do it. They're good enough to win the game against a, a kind of reeling Miami team, but I don't think that they're good enough to do anything really more than that. I don't. I don't imagine that North Carolina is a serious contender to do you know more than beating up on teams that are reeling, basically. Yeah, I mean, I, I think North Carolina is setting up to do exactly what they did last year. Last year they started nine and one, uh, be one of the fake playoff contenders. This year they're, if they win this game, they'll start nine and zero. Uh, they play Virginia, Georgia Tech, and Campbell uh, over the next three games after this, um, and then probably they're going to lose three straight to to Duke, Clemson, North Carolina State. Yeah, maybe NC State. We'll see. Mm. Uh, but that's setting up for like a perfect kind of Mac Brown North Carolina season, right? It's what it's, it's what they're built to do. Yeah. Um, so. I think this is going to be one of the more North Carolina, like these are just two teams playing with their identity, right? Like Miami loves to fall apart after a loss and have no mental toughness. Mm -hmm. North Carolina loves to beat up on a bad schedule and then get their shit kicked down when they play good teams or tough teams. Um, so this is perfect, right? It's, it's both of their identities perfectly wrapped up. It's what's going to happen in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, Yep, I think this is pretty firmly the least interesting of the four Guantanamo Bay games. We'll go now to the last one, which is UCLA at Oregon State. I say that the le the least interesting is Miami, North Carolina. UCLA, Oregon State is good. I would never say that about this game. Um, this is good. Like I said, this is good. I, I really, really like these rushing attacks. Um, UCLA is still... I don't know how Chip Kelly is doing this. He's still so creative in the way that he draws up how they run the ball, the way that they block it. Um, the the different angles that you're going to see it from. They are, as we've talked about, working around a freshman quarterback who plays like a freshman quarterback sometimes and makes some really, really bad decisions. He also makes some extremely good throws and obviously has the talent to do that. Um, against Oregon State, that, that secondary is not very good, but I do think they can get pressure on him and, and can put him in kind of a bad way. Um, I don't really have a great feel for where this is going to go because I think it is very, very contingent essentially on two quarterbacks who are kind of shaky. And I think DJ is the better of the two right now. I, I think Dante Moore is working through some things and Oregon State's rushing attack is more consistent and better. But the the defenses are such that I think UCLA's is, is better quite a bit than Oregon State's and I think this could be a really fun a really fun matchup and one that probably stays close throughout the game. Yeah, I, I tend to agree with that. I do just uh, I I just think that like Oregon State has a couple too many fatal flaws as a team that it's hard uh, maybe it's not fair to say this, but it's hard for me to see them winning. I know they're at home. Um I know they're a very good football team, but I, I just feel like Oregon State I don't know 
that if their success like works against better football teams, and I think UCLA is a better team, it's more athletic, it's more talented. Um, I, I just think that secondary and the inconsistency of the passing attack worries me. I'm not ready to say their passing attack is fixed after one good week. Uh, that is still a concern. It's kind of popped up in multiple games, and I don't know that I trust DJ that much. Uh, still, if he does it this game, I'll say I was wrong and he's good to go. Yeah. Um, but between that and, and Oregon State secondary, I just feel like UCLA is going to want to turn this into a track meet. I don't think Oregon State will let them do that outright, but I, I think that they will play more of their game than Oregon State plays of theirs. Yeah. Uh, and I also really like the UCLA defensive line. Uh, they cause a lot more pressure than anyone else Oregon State's faced this season, um, which DJ did not do well against pressure historically when he played at Clemson. Um, he's not really been in a bad spot this year. And I do like Oregon State's own line, yada, yada. It's just a good lot of good matchups, right? Like yeah. the UCLA passing attack versus the uh, the Oregon State secondary, uh, this UCLA defensive line versus the Oregon State offensive line. Uh, and basically Oregon State seeing if they can just power run their way to a win uh, against UCLA. Yeah. And I'm excited to watch all of that. I just think some of the individual units at critical spots in the field are better for UCLA than they are for Oregon State. Yeah, I would push back a little bit in, in saying that Oregon State has not seen a defense that can create pressure like this because they did play and beat Utah. And I know Utah's offense is limited, but Fair enough. Yeah. they the, the offense figured it out enough to beat that line, and that line's better than this one. And I like UCLA's line. I think that UCLA, I mean, it would be hard to argue with what the line did against Washington State. They won the game. They, they pretty much just shut it down. Um, Cam Ward couldn't do anything. The offense could not get going anywhere because he had no time to throw. They can do that, but if you can hold up against Utah, which Oregon State largely did up front, I think you can probably hold up against these guys enough to do your stuff, enough to run your your you know your offense and and to try and challenge them down the field. It is just a matter of does your quarterback hit those throws, and and DJ sometimes has and sometimes he hasn't. They need him to be good. They need a good DJ game, and I think if they get it, they probably win. If they don't, they probably lose. And it's pretty it's pretty simple. Yeah, I mean that's fair, but but again, also I mean, I don't know. Like Oregon State didn't really pass well against Utah. Um, no. They were acted enough. <laughs> I mean, I mean this... they didn't really do a, a, a ton that was good, I think, against uh <laughs> that was that, like all that good against you. They got 362 scrimmage yards, but their field position was good every time. Yeah. Uh, they created a lot of havoc on Utah's defense and kind of got them behind schedule and started good positioning. Like that's the stuff that I think kind of won the game against Utah. And I don't think that is repeatable against against UCLA because UCLA will move the football uh, on this defense. I I I think that you could get some havoc and get some turnovers against UCLA's offense. <laughs> I, I don't. I, yeah, I don't they've done know it. That, I mean, that's fair. I, I mean, yeah. Dante Moore is going to spot you six points. He does it every game. He's he's going to give you a touchdown. He'll throw the ball right at one of your fucking cornerbacks or a defensive end, and that guy will have a, a seventy yard clean shot to the end zone. Um, he needs to stop doing that. If he stops doing that, UCLA's offense gets a lot better very quickly, but he hasn't stopped doing it yet. He keeps doing it. And I think you can, even with a defense that's not very good, if you can get pressure on him, you can make him do pretty much whatever you want. Um, and I think Oregon State can probably get pressure on him and make this, make this a game, make this a game that it can, that it can compete in and, and, you know, at home maybe win. Yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe you're right. Um, uh, this is a good game. I, I'm not trying to dismiss Oregon State. I think they're a good football team. I think my trust level in UCLA is just higher. Yeah, um, I think, that's I think Oregon State's probably a cut below them. Uh, yeah, I'm excited to watch this one. It's definitely a very good one. I mean, this slate's just so loaded, right? Like, I think yeah. I'll be flipping back and forth between. Uh, I'll probably watch a little bit less of Miami, North Carolina, unless it's close. But uh, I'll be watching a lot of all three of these games, or at least trying to. Yeah. Um, 
So I'm excited for this one. We also have three good games in the most wanted section. So yeah, um, probably one of them less than the other two. Uh, <laughs> I would probably downgrade Auburn LSU, but we'll talk. We have these three are Auburn LSU at seven o'clock on ESPN, Kansas State at Texas Tech at seven o'clock on FS1, and Missouri at Kentucky at seven thirty on the SEC Network. Um, which one of these should we discuss first? Um, hmm. Let's get the let's get the one that we're least interested out of the way. That would be Auburn at LSU. Um, I don't know. I mean, I guess What's the path of Auburn to winning, like what, what, what can they do to win? LSU doesn't play well. They've done that. It wouldn't be impossible to imagine LSU not playing well. They've done it more than they've played well. Um, I think that's the path. I think the path is that LSU doesn't tackle and you run the ball a bunch yeah. and hold on to it and you keep that offense off the field and you win a game that's lower scoring than LSU wants it to be. Yeah. I mean, mm. Yeah, I guess that's fair. I mean, and LSU's been terrible against the run. They've been terrible on defense overall. Yeah. I am relatively shocked at how bad they've been against the run. Like, I, I thought even with the misalignment of Harold Perkins, they the front would still find a way to win more matchups than they have, and they've just been shitty. Like, the front has not – I know the secondary is the problem here, but the front has also not lived up to expectations, uh, partially, I think, because of coaching for Matt House and just the way they're structuring this, but they have not made plays. Um, no, they haven't. And they need to do that. For the defense to work, the front has to do that. The secondary is the bigger problem, but they need more from their line than they've been getting. Yeah, but I think also, if you look at this into a rushing game, like, I think Auburn's not that good at it. Like, I I don't think Auburn's that good of a rushing program right now. I know they have two good running backs, but, like, their structure is not very smart. Um, They've run better with Robbie Ashford in the game. And, like, do you really want to put him in? I mean, I I don't know. Like, they do have two quarters. I know LSU secondary is terrible, but both of their quarterbacks can't pass. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's that's it's fair. <laughs> <laughs> it's fair. I don't think it's... If there has ever been a game that would get Peyton Thorne or Ashford right, it would be this one. It would be this secondary. It would be a really bad defense that just makes fundamental mistakes constantly, just out of, you know, out of position, not where they're supposed to be, not doing what they're supposed to be. There's a chance that you can you could take advantage of that even with a passing game that's not good that doesn't have good receivers that doesn't have good quarterbacks. If you can complete a pass, you can probably get some yards against this defense. Um, that has been the story this year. I, there there's a there's I think as realistic a world that Auburn keeps it close and maybe wins this game is the possibility that LSU just shows up and blows them out. That's a that's a very good opportunity. There's a good chance to do that. Auburn's defense is good, but it's not good enough to keep LSU's offense at bay for four quarters. I, I, I'm i not going to pay a ton of attention to this one, but I do think that there's a path for Auburn to be competitive if LSU doesn't play well, which it has done before. Yeah, yeah, I get that. Like, But basically that is the, the prediction of the game is like, oh, what if LSU doesn't show up? Which, like, sure, fair. But yeah, that's part of them. That's, that's part of the deal. That's part of their stuff. identity, but you can also say that for any team in college football, right? right? Like, I, I think like, if we're looking at what they've done on the field, I know LSU's defense has major, major problems. But I just don't think Auburn can actually stop. I think Auburn's secondary is also, like, they're fine. But LSU is going to pass the ball on everybody. Yeah. Um, I just think LSU has too much of an offense for Auburn to do anything about this. Uh, I don't think Auburn can keep up. That's kind of my – I think Auburn's offense sucks. That's my opinion. All right. Kansas State at Texas Tech, 7 p.m. on FS1. Um, Pretty big game in the Big 12, which is, you know – 
right now pretty much just the two teams at the top and then everybody else. This is a separation game for those those teams that are everybody else. Kansas State with a really bad loss last week kind of dropped them in the uh, ability to seriously compete for the conference. This would be a really good chance to get right back into that. Texas Tech is limited by the fact that it does not have its starting quarterback. I don't they just don't have a ton going on that side of the ball without him. They they really kind of built the whole thing around Tyler Shuck. Um, I, I think that Texas Tech is more than capable of winning this game. I mean, fucking Oklahoma State beat Kansas State. It doesn't... It, it, they, you, they lost a dumb one already, and I think Texas Tech is better than Oklahoma State, but I have a hard time seeing that happen twice in a row to Kansas State. I think they probably grind this one out and are, are fairly comfortable in doing it. Yeah, I mean, Will Howard's just been shockingly bad I, I did not think he was going to be this bad yeah um i mean i it's, it's i guess it's hard to bash like i feel bad bashing one kid i guess but like this guy is the reason they're losing games yeah it's yeah. kind of that simple to me like, the rushy attack is as advertised um they have basically i mean it's, they don't have like uh the explosive of deuce Vaughn, but they are getting really good play out of the backs here like the, the rushing attack is working um I think that the receiver talent, Philip Brooks, has been perfectly fine. Um, I think the tight end, Benson, has been solid. It's just Howard throwing the ball to the other team. That's the problem every week. Yep. Uh, and I don't know. Can he not do that? Like, <laughs> can, can can we trust him to not do that for a whole night? Yeah. Um, I mean, Texas Tech has been decent against the past. They're nothing special. Like, they don't really do anything that jumps off the page at you, but they're, they're just a, a, an average football team in that regard um yeah i don't know i mean i think kansas state secondary is also a problem but again i think texas tech can't pass the football so like i, I just don't know this is like a very stoppable object versus a very mo- or a very movable object versus a very stoppable force yeah uh <laughs> like the i don't know like i don't know what it's going to come down to they probably are both just going to run the football a lot and it's going to be a lower scoring affair because I don't think either team wants to let their quarterback fuck it up for them. Yep. Yep. I think that's fair. I think Kansas state's better at running the ball and ultimately wins the game. Uh, last one here, another one that has dropped in estimation a little bit since last week, Missouri at Kentucky, seven thirty PM on the sec network. Um, kind of a, a fun, you know, tier two or tier three matchup in the sec. It will be an important game in the East for whoever wants to finish behind Georgia, but um, and, and I think stylistically it, it's pretty fun, but I, I don't know that it's a ton more than that. I think this is just a fun game, and with all that is happening in the evening, it's kind of hard for me to see myself watching this because I, I think there's just yeah better, I think there's better and more important stuff going on than this. But this is this is something that will be on and will be probably pretty fun to watch. I just don't really it's hard for me to get myself into it because of what these teams did last you know last week. Likewise. And I mean, it, it's a big rebound game for Kentucky. I mean, I, like Missouri lost that game last week, but like they acquitted themselves pretty well. I thought um, they still did the things they wanted to do on offense. Yeah. Uh, by and large, which is easy to do against LSU. I realize, but like Missouri played well enough. Uh, Kentucky, like their whole identity is having this complex defense and like, you know, kind of shutting you down and making you slog through it. And they just could not do that at all. And Georgia's offense had not looked impressive uh to the season prior to that and georgia's offensive coordinator is like really you know lowly regarded that's a really tough win for kentucky's identity i know it's losing to georgia and you expect to lose to georgia but the way they lost and the way carson beck completely shredded their defensive secondary is something that does make you question what you actually have going forward yeah um and i think missouri can exploit uh, 
fuck man i don't know because kentucky always plays well against like equivalent or lesser teams yeah they always do that like it's their bread and butter but i think that like that's just such a shitty way to get worked the way they did that it's hard for me to like actually trust kentucky to come back out and respond after that after that loss by playing well and i think missouri can still kind of hold their heads high and say look we played well against lsu we just couldn't keep up with that elite offense what can Kentucky say they did well last week? It was like a total Nothing. like soul cleansing ass kicking. Yeah. 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 And and maybe that's you know, maybe it's a flush it game and, and this is a bounce back and a chance to a chance to prove themselves and to uh to get get back into the flow of things. I think Kentucky's a lot more equipped to do that than like Miami is. You know, we talked about not being able to bounce back from a bad loss earlier. I think Kentucky is a lot better at bouncing back from a bad loss than most teams. Um, the, the, the way yeah. that they like to do things, the physicality lends itself well to an angry team. Um, I think they're probably going to be able to run the ball pretty comfortably here. Missouri's defense. I don't know. Is... Missouri's a better rush defense than you think. Yeah. But I mean, come on, come on. I, I I would like to see it. I would like to see it before I believe that in this game. Um, no matter what the stats say, the 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 physicality is is a is a thing that Missouri will have to contend with, and I don't know yeah. that it's going to be able to do that up front. Um, and I Kentucky, like you said, in games like this historically has been really good. I think that this is probably a bounce back for them. Yeah, I guess that's fair. I, I kind of like Missouri here, but not that we're making picks. But I, I kind of tend to think Missouri just gets more of what they want, and. I think that it's hard for me to trust Kentucky's secondary after that performance. And I think Missouri, if Kentucky makes them with the ball all day, they are perfectly happy to do that. They do not care. Yeah. Um, they they are fine doing that. Would it, um, it would be nice to see Devin Leary play like a fucking college football player here at some point. Um, yeah, man. He, I think it's just, it's the kid has not like the same at all as his injuries. And he's had a lot of them in his career. Yeah. Uh, but I think they've really caught up to him and he just looks bad. He looks actively bad. Yeah. Um, which sucks. Cause he was so brilliant in 2021, man. He was so good that season. Yeah. Uh, it really bums me out, but we'll see. Uh, no fly list, another Louisville ga- or another ACC game. We have Louisville at Pitt, six 30 in the CW. No thanks. Um, we, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to pass um, on this one. I'm gonna, Did, I just put I put this game on here to talk about the fucking vase. Did you see that? Have you guys seen the thing about the vase? You yeah, seen this? I'm, I'm tossing my no thanks into the the negativity urn at Pitt. I'm 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 uh, throwing the ashes in there uh, of my uh, not wanting to watch this game. Um, they do have a different quarterback, right? They're they're going with the other guy. They're going. I forget the fucking his ridiculous French Canadian um, last name pronunciation, but Christian. It's something. uh, it's there's a different there's disagreement between his him and his father okay. on. <laughs> on, on how to say it what his father hell? says his, his father says vouyer okay um i think he says vouer yeah he, or, or vire, his vire. He, his head fucking an, an r in there there's no r in this name where are you getting that from um what a nasty country that is just no thank you none of that i don't want any of that no canadians no thanks um no i'm good i'm good on that i'm good on this in general I guess yeah. you could talk Let's, yourself into wanting I, to see him play, but I think Louisville's probably winning another one here. Yeah, Louisville's going to win. Uh, I do want to talk about the urn for a second because I got into it with Pitt's former head of recruiting, Carlo uh-huh. Zocco, okay. who's a guy I've known for probably a decade and actually kind of like. Yeah. Uh, Carlo runs the Whitfield Insider Twitter account, which has been around since I was a kid. Uh, it just is a game that covers Western Pennsylvania high school football, or rather a, a – it used to be a Twitter account. Now it's a podcast and YouTube show. Um he took issue with the post gazette reporter who reported that the urn was a place to put your negative thoughts right to the stadium. Uh-huh. He asked apparently that this reporter Noah Hiles asked the pit employee what it was about. That's what the guy said. 
Carlo claims he actually did not talk to someone in the pit football program because if he did, there's no way that could be the only takeaway. And then he said it's based on, he didn't actually refute the original premise, cool. but said it's way deeper than that. And it's based on the premise of this book, The Go-Getter by Peter Kine. Um, here is the summary of this book, man, was I'm going to read to you. Okay. It's the classic motivational par- parable. Over 500,000 copies sold worldwide. It shows you how to make your own opportunities in life. Updated for the modern reader by best-selling business author Alan Axelrod. Uh, Ever since its first printing by William Randolph Hearst in 1921, The uh, Go-Getter has inspired employees and entrepreneurs to take initiative, increase their productivity, and excel against the odds. Now, more than half a million copies later, Alan Axelrod, best-selling author of Patent on Leadership and Elizabeth I, CEO, <laughs> updates, <laughs> <a> really <laughs> funny <book's> like, <laughs> updates the tale to address today's most pressing work issues. In The Go-Getter, Bill Peck, a war veteran, persuades Cappy Ricks, the influential founder of the Ricks Logging and Lumbering Company, to let him prove himself by selling skunk wood and odd lengths, a job that everyone knows can only lead to failure. When Peck goes on to beat his quota, Rick hands Peck the ultimate opportunity, the ultimate test. The quest for an elusive blue vase. Drawing on such classic values as honesty, determination, passion, and responsibility, Peck overcomes the insurmountable obstacles to find the vase and launch his career as a successful manager. In a time when jobs are tight and managers are too busy for mentoring, how can you maintain positive energy, take control of your career, and prepare yourself to ace the tests that come your way? By applying the timeless lessons in this compulsively readable parable, employees at all levels can learn to rekindle the go-getter in themselves. The American education system just needs to be completely, <laughs> completely fucking overhauled. Oh my god, Jesus Christ! <laughs> yeah, I, I'm. That... I'm wondering if I can. I'm just searching the meaning of the blue vase and the go getter. Uh-huh. Um, well, it says a... blue vases are significant to Glimp because it means understanding what it takes to be a go getter. Go getters <laughs> not order takers; they're problem solvers. Something this business knows a great deal about. The blue vase is a symbol of mentality that's our standard. Um, uh, business school is a fucking kindergarten. You people are you people are just <laughs> fucking around. What are they doing over there? What are you doing? This is <laughs> yeah. The, the key to the key to being successful in business is working hard and being motivated. Okay, yeah, oh, sure. That sounds about right. It sounds like the key for most things that you do. What are you getting up in front of your players and telling them this for? Come on. Oh God. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> just it's... children's book for babies. This is come on. Grow up. Yeah. Anyway. It's, it's a classic meme of like business school students when their coloring book is due at midnight. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's, that's what it's always about. It's a classic yeah. parable of uh, if you work hard, it will be good for you and for your boss. Um, cool. Really good. Uh, anyway, Arizona mm-hmm. at Washington State, 7 p.m. on the Pac-12 Network. Marshall at Georgia State, 7 p.m. on ESPN2. And NC State at Duke, 8 p.m. on the ACC Network. Um, I'm in a bad new. I'm in a bad mood now after hearing about that book. After learning <laughs> that that sold 500 mil, or 500,000 copies, um, and the fucking Elizabeth one or the Elizabeth the first CEO or whatever it was. Um, I'm uh, I'm just pissed off. None of these. Fuck all these games. Who cares? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I guess I'll 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 do the bit then. Uh, yeah. If Cam Ward plays badly against Arizona, they are good enough to win this game. Arizona does have a quarterback controversy now, but mm-hmm. they've shown they're dangerous. Let them hang around. I don't think Wazi would do that. They probably win by two scores, but um, don't sleepwalk. You know, play this game hard. Um, Marshall at Georgia State. Um, yeah, I mean, two of the better teams, right? And that and kind of in that <laughs> milieu of the G five. They're they're both like solidly upper quartile g5 teams is that fair to say to you yeah yeah i think that's fair yeah. um yeah i mean it's a, it's a big 
there's it's a, a big game for the Sun Belt East because yeah, James Madison can't play it. App yeah. State and Coastal suck, so somebody like, has Old to Dominion's win. not going to win. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be <laughs> one of Georgia State, Georgia Southern, or Marshall. Yep, yep, pretty much. Um, the other the, two, uh, no, the last one is what, is or in, the last one's NC State at Duke. I'm kind of interested in that one. I guess like Duke without Riley Leonard versus NC State's a pretty good game. I guess. Um, I'm not. I'm just not interested in anything that NC State is doing this year. They're really bad. They're yeah, really really agreed. bad. Agreed. Um, but. Yeah, I don't know. We'll see. The only thing I will add on the no-fly list is that the people who are making it so that Arizona's in the Big 12 and Washington State is homeless uh, are guys who are reading that book. It's just guys reading that book over and over again. They're just telling each other about the importance of being a grinder, being a go-getter, having business mindset. Um, It's cool. It's cool. We like it. That's the level of intelligence that we're dealing with here. Uh, Late night, most wanted Boise State at Colorado State, 9.45 p.m. on FS1. And the no-fly list, Montana at Idaho, 10.30 on ESPN2. Big FCS game. Both teams are ranked, I think, in the top 15. Um, And in a quiet night slate, this is probably the best actual game of the bunch. This is probably the most entertaining football game. I think you'll see the most quality here. Um, And then closing it out, San Diego State at Hawaii, 11 p.m. on CBSSN. Uh, there's not a ton here. Again, I think, honestly, if I'm making a recommendation, it would probably be the FCS game. I think that's going to be the best bang for your buck. Uh, Boise State is not good. Colorado State is also not good. I think that that's going to be a uh, kind of kind of a USC-Notre Dame-style game um, in the personality of the teams and the issues that those teams have and the uh, willingness to just kind of crumple in big moments. I think they both love to do yeah. that. Um, San Diego State at Hawaii is uh, dog shit, but it's on TV much later than every other game. Both of those teams are not very good, and it's yeah. uh, there's just if you have a, a cocaine problem, it's the perfect game for you. Yeah, that's yeah, that's fair. That's the cocaine problem game of the week. <laughs> we, should, <laughs> we should do that. We should introduce that. Is <laughs> it's just it's not much of an award. It's the latest game every single week. No, I I think that maybe we could even take it a, a step further. This is the stu- the substance abuse game of the week. If you have a <laughs> if you have a problem with some substance, this is the game that you're going to be watching. <laughs> <laughs> what's the game what's the game you watch if you have an oxy problem <laughs> um hmm I, I think miami north carolina would be good to fall asleep to if you want to nod off right that yeah. would be probably yeah. probably the way to go um <laughs> that's pretty good uh anything here really you want to do discourse did you see did you see the um the big twitter post the main character non-war edition going around this week of uh the um the man the 33 year old man the 26 year old fiance who kind of hates her yeah yeah i did see that that was pretty cool yeah um, that was cool yeah uh she's our substance abuse champion of the week uh-huh. <laughs> the problem the person with the most substance abuse problems uh wins that award every week mm-hmm. yeah we uh yeah we all support her uh word up to word up to her i'm sure that that is as everything <laughs> ever as every screenshot from reddit is uh, on twitter i'm sure it's real i'm sure it's entirely real and not <laughs> some freak making it up um dude who was in the lab the cia making up like the perfect mix of controversial variables mm-hmm. of reddit posts to get screenshotted for twitter it's who's you. doing this you do that that's your job you are the one doing that i don't know why you're trying to pretend oh i wonder who's the one doing this it's you that's what your job is you fly to different parts of the country you fly to different countries and you make you know different reddit yeah. posts from those areas so that people are like in the fucking they're in the seattle subreddit they're like wow get a load of this motherfucker who wants to you know, am i the asshole for shooting a homeless guy in the foot um <laughs> things like that that's what you do that's your job 
Someone should make this a thread on our uh, our board. Uh, make up the best Reddit story you can. Um, <laughs> yeah, that would be pretty good. That would be fun. So, um, all right. Me, me, a football coach, fifty-eight male, mm-hmm. uh, and my secretary, twenty-three female. <laughs> I did. I was going uh, riding a motorcycle. <laughs> I was going to make a joke earlier about fucking Mario Cristobal going on on Am I the asshole and and saying my my football players are texting <laughs> with another coach. Am I allowed to be upset about this? Am I be, am I allowed to be mad that I caught my M twenty-three uh, football you know quarterback texting with uh, a, a different coach that I that I know about? Yeah, M44, Joey Freshwater. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, yeah. Should I be mad about this? Am I allowed to be mad that I found Lane Kiffin in the contacts of like 45 of my players? Um, that would be really cool. I think he should do that. I think he should he should seek the advice of the most depraved people online. That would be good. Um, he's apparently not getting enough of that right now. Uh, all right. Anything else? No, no, that's 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 sufficient. All right. We'll talk to you guys soon.